Hi there. Welcome to episode two of the Elemental Whispers podcast. Today we're going to be talking about becoming enchanted. Now, this is a topic that I actually had in my mind to bring forward a little bit later in the podcast's life, but I listen to the messages of the universe often being delivered to us in the form of synchronicities, and I received a really clear message that now was the time to have this conversation I'm going to share with you the synchronicity that unfolded because I think that it fits with this topic of conversation, part of living enchanted, becoming enchanted, re-enchanting our lives is about waking up to the idea that life is in constant dialogue with us that the universe is constantly sharing with us messages, clues, symbols. And it's just that in today's busy world, we sometimes do not stop. We don't pause to really acknowledge or sometimes we don't even notice the messages, the information, and the synchronicities that are coming forward. First, for those of you who don't know, a synchronicity is a seemingly magical occurrence or coincidence. It seems like a coincidence, but that's just the thing. There are no coincidences. And a synchronicity is one of these magical occurrences that is reflecting to you that the universe is alive and interacting and engaging with you every moment of every day. It's the kind of occurrence where you're talking about a bird that you saw the other day and suddenly that same exact bird flies overhead. Or you read something in a book and you have a really clear feeling or image of some archetypal character and the next day somebody hands you a gift or a little figure and it's that exact same archetypal character. These are synchronicities. These are when the universe is nudging you forward trying to invite you into the flow of life and to step into a conversation, a dialogue with magic. Magic is part of enchanted living. So I want to share with you this little fun story that was my synchronicity this morning. I had signed up for a newsletter for Roots of Lore. And Roots of Lore, if you don't know, it is a podcast that is a beautiful exploration of fairy tales and folklore, diving into the roots of these tales, as well as looking at what their medicine 
is for us in today's world. This is a fabulous podcast and I would highly recommend it. It's been out for a really long time and I was just checking to see if there was a new season released and so I decided to sign up for the newsletter list because I thought, well, I don't want to miss out when there is a new season available. So I signed up for the newsletter list. And as you know, when you sign up for an email, you often get a confirmation email that lets you know you are indeed signed up. And oftentimes that confirmation email will just be a a warm welcome that shares with you a little bit about what to expect in the email communications. So I received that and it was called Letters of Enchantment. I believe that's what the name of the newsletter is. And she shares about enchantment. And I didn't read the whole thing because as soon as I read the first paragraph, I stopped and I thought, you know what? This is something that I've wanted to talk about for a really long time. And it is a huge part of living an embodied mythic reality, which I referred to in the last couple episodes. And it also, I think it's important to talk about enchantment because there are a lot of negative connotations around enchantment. And we'll talk about some of those as well. And enchantment also, to me, can carry frivolity. It can seem unimportant and very frivolous in especially in a modern world. What I mean is that you know we look out at the world around us and with all of the serious issues that are up for us right now as a As a country, I'm U.S.-based. As a people, (laughs) as in a humanity, sometimes it can appear ungrounded and like escapism to live an enchanted reality, to connect with inner earth beings like fairy, elven, dragon forces, All of that can seem pie in the sky, trivial, unimportant, and this could not be farther from the truth. I want to share with you a quote that really encapsulates this idea, and Caitlin Bram, the creator of Roots of Lore podcast, actually shared this quote as well in the email. This quote is originally from a book, Caliban and the Witch by Silvia Ferrerici, and it goes like this. The world had to be disenchanted in order to be dominated. And that sparked within me what I know to be true, which is that Enchanted reality, re-enchanting one's life, returning to the deep 
magic that lives within the heart of the land, that lives within our own sacred heart temples, must be connected with, reaccessed, and allowed to flow into our world through our own lives and choices that we make to walk a path of living magic. Recently, my beloved, my partner Curtis, was a student of a very, very uh, comprehensive and in-depth meditation instructor program. And at the beginning of the program, their teacher shared with them a beautiful, beautiful idea. She said she looks at meditation as an act of social justice. Now I'm paraphrasing here because he was sharing this with me and I don't have her specific words, but the idea can certainly be attributed to her that the that meditation is an act of nonviolent resistance, of peaceful resistance to the status quo. I feel exactly the same way about enchantment. When we choose magic, we are choosing to live our fullest expression as human. We are choosing to reclaim a vibrant living reality for ourselves. I really feel that enchantment is about allowing the magic of the spirit world, of the other world, of fairy, of the sacred realms of Gaia, of the great pool of ancestral memory and wisdom to flow into this mundane, ordinary reality. One of the ways that we do that is by piercing the veil. Piercing the veil between the world of ordinary reality and the world of non-ordinary reality, or the world of spirit and the world of matter. Piercing the veil often entails soul traveling, shamanic journeying, changing our state of consciousness to connect into the spiritual realms. Attuning to those realms, those subtle energies, engaging with those energies, and then coming back to this ordinary reality and allowing that which we received that which we experienced to marinate, to percolate, and to come through us. To come through us, whether it's in the form of a creation, whether it's in the form of writing or artistic expression, or whether it's just in the form of the actions that we take in our day-to-day life. Now, what's interesting about this process is 
when we begin to connect or attune to the energies of the subtle realms more regularly, what begins to happen is a merging and overlap and inner penetration from one world to another. Sometimes I like to refer to this as bleed throughs or bridging the worlds. And what I really mean is that when we continue to make the conscious effort to connect with the spiritual realms regularly, that energetic begins to flow into our lives, into our daily lives, into our, quote, mundane realities. And it can look, I'm not even going to say how it can look because it actually is so unique to each person. But what I'm trying to impress to you, I suppose here, is the very important clarification that living an enchanted reality is not compartmentalized. A lot of us tend to confine or compartmentalize our spiritual practices, our spiritual side, our spirituality to a very, you know, specific time of day or perhaps a specific class or program. But outside of that, we don't always allow for the conversation with the spirit world to continue. As powerful as the journeys that I have made throughout the years, and in this case, I'm actually talking about inner world journeys, you know, journeying to fairy, to the, you know, different dimensions of the spiritual world, the inner earth planes of Gaia. As potent as these experiences have been, what has been much more or rather just as important, I will say just as important, is me actually bringing that which I experience in the world of spirit into this world with me and then living it. So for me, there is no difference between when I am sitting in meditation or journeying to the inner planes And when I am out walking in the forest or when I am sitting in a park. Now, I'll admit, when I am in a very crowded situation, place, I am not as aware to the spiritual impulses because I am doing my best to actually maintain the integrity, the hygiene of my energy field, not being bombarded by just all of the psychic airwaves that (laughs) exist when we are out and about in the world. 
A little note that I think is important though to mention here is that I am not of the camp that feels that I'm constantly being bombarded by negative energy and I can't go someplace or some do something because there's all these quote negative energies. No, <laughs> no. First of all, I really want to, and I think this will be a different episode, but I I really want to actually begin to dispel some of the ideas we have around positive and negative, um, dark and light, good and evil, and and really look at that. But I am trying my best to use my language consciously and not call something that is perhaps not in resonance to my energy, my essence, calling that negative or lower or higher vibration. I really feel it's important that we begin to relanguage some of our ways that we experience energy. And I'm speaking a lot in terms of being somebody who was part of the new age and spiritual kind of mainstream spiritual community for a very long time. And there's a lot of good and a lot of growth. And there's also a lot of shadow in the new age, tremendous shadow. And again, I think that this is a different, probably a different conversation, but I did just want to kind of make a little note <laughs> because I just said the, you know, the, the negative energy thing. And I think there's a big difference between, oh, this is in resonance. This is not in resonance versus, oh my God, I can't do anything because I'm always bombarded by all this toxic energy or, um, you know, I, there are really beautiful practices, to support us in our energetic hygiene, to just make sure that we are really operating from our own energy and not taking on energies of others and then allowing those to imprint or influence us. And I think that it's also important to not mitigate responsibility for really taking charge of our own energetic space and not going into blaming others for their energy. So really important uh, piece there. So when we are out in the world, perhaps we are not as attuned to the messages of spirit, or they'll have to be a little louder for us. And This is all part of enchanted living. It's not separate. It's not confined for me to closet spirituality. It's not confined to, again, my meditation pillow. It is something that bleeds into every aspect of my life. The other thing I want to speak to is the sacred. The sacred is also something that I think we have lost touch with in our culture. I grew up Catholic and though we weren't a hugely practicing family because I went to Catholic school up until through seventh grade, 
there were a lot of ideas and beliefs that I needed to examine. And I am so grateful for my time and my training with InterQuest Metaphysical Church. This is a beautiful metaphysical center of love and consciousness that is located in Alpharetta, Georgia. So just a a suburb north of Atlanta. I was able to do a lot of my training, including psychic development and studying the healing arts and exploring what the universal laws and principles are of, of energy, of metaphysics. And they are based in metaphysical Christian belief system. This early on really challenged me and required me to look inward and examine a lot of the beliefs that I had around Christianity. And I know that there are so many people that come from a Judeo-Christian background that Also, even if we have turned away, whether it's in rebellion or whatever that has looked like for you, there are still these beliefs and ideas that tend to live in our subconscious that are running our life. And one of those beliefs that I want to talk about is in reference to sacredness. Growing up, with the Catholic Church, I believed, I was taught that sacredness was something that was found inside a church or a temple. It was something that was created by the priest that not only could I not access myself if I wanted to, but I couldn't even feel it. It felt very distant. It felt really impersonal. And I'm so grateful to InterQuest because I really was able to shift a lot of these belief structures that were not serving me. Because the truth is that sacredness can be found anywhere. I personally tend to really gravitate toward nature, special places in nature that I love. All of nature is really sacred, but of course there are some favorite waterfalls and hills and mounds. If you listen to the last episode, I talked a lot about the mound, the she, the fairy hills and mountains and rivers and wells, and springs. There are so many places in nature that hold the essence of what I experience as sacred. And there are also sacred sites. Sites that are known for 
their energetic expression, their confluence of ley lines that perhaps create a certain field of resonance that speak to us on a soul level. These are all examples of that which we can experience as sacred. One of the teachings of the feminine mysteries is that all women have the ability to create the sacred in time and space, to create sacred space, to create ritual, to open a portal in the mundane moment to the spirit realm. We can do that because we each hold a living, breathing, sacred space within us. We live in attunement to this sacred space. Some of us more than others, we're all on a journey of deepening into that. And I'm talking about the sacred space of the womb. The womb is a sacred space. As holding this place within our physical bodies, we can create the sacred We are portals of life and death. We are portals to the spirit world. There's a word that I love called psychopomp. (laughs) Doesn't sound very good, but it actually means one who can travel between the worlds. It's a Greek word and historically it's been thought about as a guide who helps the souls of the dead travel to the other world. But at the deepest sense of this word, we are talking about not just traveling to the world of spirit, but also traveling from the world of spirit to the world of matter, to the physical world, this ordinary reality. And as we know, women can do that as well through bringing through life, physical life as in babies, but also bringing in life. We can create from our wombs. So I wanted to bring this piece forward because living enchanted reality is about making the ordinary sacred. It doesn't have to be some elaborate ritual or ceremony, although I love those. It can be a simple moment of lighting a candle and ringing a bell, lighting some smoke. I have this incense that I absolutely, I love and it connects me to my ancestors. The incense is this balsam fir incense. And my first introduction to this was as a child, my mother for Christmas time would get out the little cabin that it's a little wood house and inside it has an incense burner burner. And she would light these incense sticks these cones and it 
I never knew what it was growing up. I had no idea, but there was something about that scent, that aroma that would bring me into something very sacred, something very ancient and connected with my ancestors. My mom is Polish and French and Native American and Norwegian, so a lot of things. But my mom's mother, my grandmother, was Polish. And I've always connected this little wooden house with the Black Forest, with the forests of Eastern Europe, for some reason, nobody told me this. Nobody explained any origin. My mom never said why she uses a cabin. Maybe I should ask her for this little incense burning thing. But this this scent always connected me with this. Well, in my adult life, a few years ago, I became obsessed with finding this scent. And of course, I asked my mother and she didn't, she knew what I was talking about, but she didn't know what it was. She said, it was, it's Christmas incense is what she calls it. Well, that was not helpful. But through a great deal of research, I finally was able to discover that the incense of my childhood Christmas time was balsam fir. And so, of course, I ordered some of this from Payne's Incense Company, and I burn it all the time. And when I burn it, to me, it puts me right into this sacred experience of life. It automatically signals to my body that I am moving into a space where I can be connected to the ancestral realms, where I can receive guidance, or simply be attuned to that wisdom. So I'm bringing this up because I feel it's important to state that living an enchanted reality re-enchanting one's life it doesn't have to be this whole thing (laughs) that's so descriptive Diamira (laughs) but what I mean is that if you know my work at all you know that I really spend a lot of time connecting in dialogue with the realms of spirit. And I literally mean that I am in dialogue with fairy, with beings of inner earth, with dragons, with she, with elven beings. I'm in communion. I journey into mythic story with them. And I'm just deciding if I want to go into a little bit of how that experience is for me. I think I will. But before I do, I just want to dispel this idea that your living enchanted reality has to look like that. It can. And I even want to say it will. Because part of stepping into this new earth expression that is arising and being born from the heart of Gaia as we are speaking now in this moment. Part of that is becoming awakened and aware of the interconnected ecosystem 
that is part of this earth that is about more than just the beings that we can see and know on the physical plane. The sacred ecology of Gaia really comprises this greater expression of life on earth. It comprises the spirits of nature, the inner earth beings. As we begin to trust our sacred senses, open up to magic in the mundane, we begin to create pathways. And I'm seeing these pathways as I speak about them almost as if our neural systems are being rewired and cleared out. You know, meridians when we're talking about the context of acupuncture, right? You have these lines of energy that flow all around the body that can get blocked. And then the acupuncturist will use the needles to reroute the flow of energy to support that energy to flow once again. Okay, well, that's how I'm seeing the lines that are part of our neural programming that allow for us to connect to these more subtle vibrations, these are coming online. And so we don't have to force, you know, these experiences. If we allow the magic to speak to us and then we listen this will naturally begin to awaken within us. I really believe that. And I've watched it unfold with other people in my life. So this is where we are moving and stepping into. And living an enchanted reality does not mean that we have to have great conversations with the the spirit of Gaia or with these, uh, with multidimensional allies and guides and beings. It doesn't have to look like that. It can look like the simplest ritual that connects you into the world of spirit. So I want to share with you how I experience a communion with a being of the other world. You know, you've heard me talk about these interactions with the other world. My interactions with the other world have evolved. And just as just as we all evolve, we all change, right? You're not communicating with your friends the same way you were when you were in high school on the phone, right? Now the, your conversations probably look a lot different. Maybe they don't. In my early years, I think that I did what is pretty typical, I would sit in meditation and I would listen to the voice of spirit. I would listen to my soul speaking to me, whispering to me its secrets. I would also do a lot of guided meditations that are sort of like journeys. They're very much like the shamanic journey. They're like meditative journeys and they were very visual and they would usually 
be literally a journey. You would move along a path. You would arrive in different places, maybe a temple, maybe a special garden, a secret garden, maybe a forest. And once you were there, you connect with the spirit guides or beings that were in resonance to whatever you were working on. And those beings would come forward and you would have a, I would have a dialogue. And sometimes the dialogue was in words and sometimes it was in symbols and they would show me something. Maybe they would give me a piece of jewelry or a fruit or some object. And that object in and of itself would hold a vibration and it would inform me. And I might not consciously know what that meant or what it was wanting to speak to me. But over time, I know that even if I didn't think about the symbol that they had given me, it would still work its magic in my energy field. Over a long period of time, years and years of doing this, my meditations evolved into the journeys becoming much more interactive with spirit as opposed to this just this formulaic me going to a special temple and receiving guidance in this way I would set my intention and I would enter into an altered state and then I would enter into the other world there's a lot of ways to do this but I would move into the other world and once there I would allow the journey to be a co-creative interaction between the spiritual forces of Gaia and myself and of course you know I had already set my intention I had connected into my heart and so where we would end up what pictorial images would come through what inner landscape we would traverse was always unique to that moment, to that energetic, to that particular ally that I was being journeyed by or was journeying with. Eventually, these journeys started to happen in waking reality. And what that would look like is I would be oftentimes in a place out in nature, walking through a forest or through a park, and I would sense an energetic flux in the field. I would take a moment and pause to feel into what I'm calling that flux, that shift in energy. And it may be in that moment that I am aware that there is some being, some spirit that is open and receptive to enter into a dialogue, to enter into what I call a story. I like using the word story here more than dialogue because we have so many ideas about what interactions with the spirit world look like. Oftentimes, we think of solely sitting, either listening to a spirit being instruct us or explain something or share something or us in a dialogue back and forth, which very often looks like us asking questions <laughs> and then us listening for the answers. But my experiences 
are a lot more, I think all of our experiences, if we would allow them to be, can be a lot more robust and rich than that. That's why I call them a story because there's this moment that happens, just like when you meet somebody new. And if there's a resonance, right, you've met those people that you just, there's something about them that you want to know, you want to be friends with, then you get to choose, right? Do you make the move to introduce yourself and to begin a story, a relationship between the two of you? Or do you not? Or maybe you engage in that moment, but then you kind of let the ball drop and you never really pick back up that thread of relationship. It's the exact same way in the spirit world. So I will feel this shift in energy and then I will tune in. And depending on so many variables, including my state of consciousness in the moment, what I'm going through, what I have on my plate, any number of things, you know, maybe I don't want to, you know, have you ever been out and about and somebody strikes up a conversation and you really just don't want to be in conversation. It has nothing to do with that person. It's not personal. You just really want to be in a self-reflective space or maybe you're not in a great mood and you know you just really don't want to bring that into a conversation with another person so all of these factors are very much in play when we're interacting with the spirit world as well and I always check myself you know do I have the bandwidth to engage maybe you don't have the bandwidth to really hold hold your attention. And that's kind of the big thing for me when I'm interacting with the world of spirit. Once I do that inventory on myself, then I will choose to either engage or not engage from that point. And it's not rude to say, sorry, I don't have the bandwidth for this right now. And maybe you have another chance and maybe you don't. And that's just kind of the nature of these kinds of opportunities. But so I call them a story because when we say, if we choose to say yes, what begins to happen, if they trust you enough to bring you into their story and I bring them into mine, then together you erect a meeting place in between. You create a new story, a new pathway through your shared relationship and interaction with one another. And this is very much how my interactions with the spirit world have evolved into is that I will be out and about on a forest walk. I'll feel a sense of an energy shift. I'll know that there's a being there, possibly inviting uh, some sort of interaction or engagement. And if I choose to, then I step into this, again, this doorway. And I don't mean literally, I mean my choosing to engage it like opens up this floodgate and it creates possibility where before there wasn't any and then between the two of us there is this communion that unfolds that is yes it can be dialogue in words that i will hear and speak it'll go back and forth but it's usually quite a bit richer than that it usually is multi-dimensional I feel sensations in my body I see images and we communicate in symbols and tones and colors in feelings in all kinds of 
ways. It's really nuanced conversation. And I will be enriched from that experience. And then it is very possible that that experience actually continues to either unfold in my life or that relationship continues to grow. It's very possible that I can use my intention to reconnect with that being to have future follow-up conversations, have future follow-up communions and interactions. And this is relationship building. And this is the part that really begins to spill over into my life because something that will happen in the interaction, they will say something or a symbol will come forward. It will somehow tie into my life or it might not make any sense then, but two days later, something will happen and then I'll suddenly know what they said meant or what a symbol they gave me was symbolizing. It's very, very, very powerful to live in this way. The last piece that I want to bring into this conversation is having to do with how enchantment has been misconstrued. And interestingly enough, this is one of the things that prevented me from talking about this up front. I think enchantment has a bad rap. And oftentimes when we hear the word enchantment, we think of some spell or some curse that takes over your mind, your consciousness, almost as a sort of possession. We also, I think, connect enchantment with with women, with the goddess in a really negative way. If we break this down, we can really think about women being portrayed as having power usually through the act of speaking, right? Casting the spell, using their voice, having this power to ensnare a poor, innocent victim into doing something that they wouldn't normally do. The example in literature that I cannot stop thinking about is Morgan Le Fay, Morgana. For me, she has been an ally, a dark goddess that I really resonate with and have worked with extensively. She has been demonized in the Arthurian materials. Sir Thomas Mallory depicts her character as sorceress, enchantress that ensnares her brother, half-brother, Arthur, into this incestuous relationship and from that is born Mordred. Now, this is a much later presentation of her character. In earlier stories, she was the great goddess. Even in Geoffrey of Monmouth's works, which I think were written or at least compiled, curated around the 1100s. Joffrey of Monmouth and his History of British Kings 
has Morgan Le Fay depicted as more a high priestess of Avalon. And while this is for me closer to how I experience her, this being, in even further ancient sources, she is the great mother goddess. And there's this whole other layer around fairy women enchanting men, knights, and even people in the last couple hundred years into fairy, right? Coaxing them into fairy and then placing these spells on them, which trap them in fairy so they can't return or when they do return, it's a hundred years later. And when we begin, this is really a much bigger conversation I'm realizing as we're coming to the end of this podcast, but when we begin to pull back the layers of these stories and really look underneath, what we see is that a lot of the way that the enchantress and the word enchantment has been spun in a way that demonizes and covers up our source of power and connection to land, to magic, to the living wisdom of the earth and our own natural power as it flows through us as we are channels and natural conduits of the forces of heaven and earth. This is what I feel that enchantment has always been about and and also what is behind these distortions of its true meaning. I'm going to conclude here by reiterating the quote from Silvia Federici, which says, the world had to be disenchanted in order to be dominated. That is why you, I am imploring you, urging you to re-enchant your life as a sacred activist, as an act of peaceful non-resistance to the status quo, as a way to take a stand for reclaiming our power as divine humans, as humans who are both children of Gaia and children of the cosmos. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, here's to living a life of sacred enchantment.